Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Never Open Podcast. The podcast open to everyone, even Yoshihashi, but uh, not not Dalki. We're, we're <laughs> undecided. We'll get back to you on that, but never say never. I'm your host. I'm uh, I'm Luke, and I'm, and with me always is Mr. Andy. Uh, say hello, Mr. Andy. Hello, Mr. Andy. I'm excited, Luke. This is a you know a special kind of extra episode that we're doing that's not really in the canon of Never Open Podcast, but this one's going to be all about a couple factions, and uh, we've got a little plan set up where we're going to kind of release some of these uh, episodes that just kind of cover things that we don't have time to cover on the regular show. That's right. So we're, we're going to do... A couple of the New Japan factions today on this episode. So there's a whole bunch of factions. Factions, I don't know how long they've been a staple for in New Japan, but uh, it feels to me like they've been a staple forever. Uh, you'll be able to say whether it has or not. I don't know. I don't know any old groups. Uh, I've heard of some, maybe like Great Bashiel and you know, Kojima Gun, even uh, things like that. But I don't know any of the old old groups of your, but the current factions that we have today, they're the they're the factions we'll be focusing on in 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 uh, not just today's episode, but in a uh, future episode. Those factions being uh, Lost and Goblin, Alblis de Hapon, Bullet Club, Chaos, and Suzuki Gun, Suzuki Suzuki Goon. Sorry, and then either we'll I don't know if we'll do a miscellaneous episode featuring. Uh, everyone that's kind of not in a faction, or we'll just stick it on the end of the next one. You and I will decide all about that. But, um, well, we better uh, let people know how they can contact us, Mr. Andy, so uh, they can, because we always want them to do that. They can contact us on the Twitter at NeverOpenPod. That's where you'll find us. Or if you want to talk to Mr. Andy... Uh, directly in, instead of never open pot or me you can do that at at drusifer tweets or if you want to talk to me uh it's at grumpy two e b that's grumpy two the number two e b and uh that's how you can contact us or if you want to send us something a little bit long form because uh you, you don't want to be restricted by characters on fucking on the tweety you can go at neveropenpod at gmail.com 
and that's how you can kind of contact us there. All that kind of stuff. I thought we'd uh, we'd get that out of the way. It's uh, even on a show like this, Mister Andy. We we gotta we gotta pimp ourselves out there. So there we go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, on a show like this, we may have listeners that aren't normal listeners, folks that just uh, search New Japan factions or searched, uh, you know, the factions we're covering today. So, you know, if you're yep. new to our show, we we usually kind of review the week of New Japan. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to do as much education as we can, educate ourselves while we're educating the listeners. Yeah, because some new people might be going, oh, this is like a gang mentality in New Japan. What's that all about? Well, we're here to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, illuminate people, I guess. I don't know why there are factions in New Japan. You might know why. All I know is they have them. I love them. Uh, it hits me right in the nostalgia bone because when I got into wrestling, it was all like NWO and DX and all that kind of shit. And then after kind of the late 90s, American wrestling really moved away from that, uh, you know, really cool stable kind of faction kind of thing, didn't they? And yeah. uh, what wasn't until I discovered New Japan, I was like, uh... you still there, Luke? You got <laughs> yeah, the butterfly was... lock there for a second. <laughs> uh... What, do you have some kind of cargo pass or something? Oh, no, we got somebody mowing grass right outside of my window because that's, oh. you know, how you do that on nine, at 9.30. It's raining. It's 9.30 on a Saturday morning, and we're uh, we're mowing the grass. Good times. In the rain. Uh, yeah, your neighbor sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm judging them. Uh, that's true. So this will be us kind of uh, tackling uh, two of the factions of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm going to be covering the Bullet Club. And Mr. Andy will be covering uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón. So expect a future episode by us where we cover Chaos and Suzuki Goon. Uh, we flipped a coin before we started. No, we didn't. Nah, but just uh, say we did. And it landed on me. I chose... I chose incorrectly or correctly as it were. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't, we don't have a format for this. So uh, Andy took whatever kind of notes Andy takes. I took whatever kind of notes I took. And we're going to just going to see how this goes, see how it works. Uh, so I won or lost, depending on how you look at it. And I'm covering the board club. So are you ready? You ready for uh, some board club? education absolutely uh but real quick luke like what is your, are you going to work in your personal experience with bullet club and all that kind of stuff because i mean i sure would like to know whether you like these factions or not yeah oh there is a time all right so there's a time before i started watching new, pro, new japan pro wrestling so my knowledge of the bullet club was non-existent you know and there's a time when I started watching New Japan. I was like, oh, yeah, Bullet Club's a faction and whatever. And then there's a time where I was like, yeah, all right. I really like these these guys. I really like what they're doing, and um, I'm in. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know when uh, that point hits. I think I'm a little, it might be a little bit more detailed at the start, maybe. 
because uh, I hadn't seen it. So I thought I'd be a little more diligent. But uh, when we get to stuff that I've seen, it's uh, a little more loosey-goosey because I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, like, I can talk about that a little bit more freely, you know. So uh, here we go <clears throat> with uh, the Bullet Club. It all starts with a man named Prince Devitt, who a lot of listeners will probably know as Finn Balor. So Finn Balor, he's been in this uh, really cool tag team called Apollo 55 with uh, Ryusuke Taguchi. But he's not happy. He's starting to be a bit of a douchebag, showing a bit of this arrogant side to him and shit, you know. He was staying friends with his with, with Taguchi, but, uh, you know, the, when they failed to get the uh, junior tag belts, that was that was too much, and uh, David beat the shit out of Taguchi, and a man named Farley helped, and so uh, Farley was then dubbed the underboss by Prince Devitt. Now, not long after that, that might have been the seed that beat down on uh, Taguchi. Might have been the seed, but uh, that seed really formed and grew because uh, it was uh, Tanahashi that would bring those kind of bring a bunch of guys together you know you got uh, your, your original members here Tamatonga Carl Anderson Prince Devitt and Bad Luck Foley. they uh, they beat the shit out of Ta- uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi after the match and they formed the Bullet Club so that's from about May 13th 2013 so you got a bit bunch of gaijins not happy with how they're being treated, how they're being uh, utilized, and all their opportunities and things like that. This is all in storyline, by the way. What's a gaijin? Gaijin is a foreigner from Japan. So I don't know if that's a racist term or not. I don't think it is. It's just what they call foreigners, I guess. You know, they got a Japanese word for it. It's gaijin. So there you go. And, uh, so these guys didn't think they were getting a fair shake, so they banded together and decided, you know, fuck it, we're going to win by any means necessary. And so around October that year, they also recruit the Young Bucks. Followed uh, around that time Luke Gallows, and they and uh, Luke Gallows, of course, forms a tag team with Carl Anderson. So then uh, I'm, I'm doing a bit of a mini history here, Andy. So uh, you got uh, a 2014 match. Uh, Taguchi sort of revenge against uh, Prince Devitt. But the Bucks keep interfering, and, and Devitt's like, no, 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 man. I want to beat fucking, I want to beat Taguchi by myself. But the Bucks are just like, yeah, fuck you. And then they kick the shit out of Prince Devitt, and he was kind of ousted from Bull Club. And not some 30 minutes later that night, there's a run-in by a guy in a hoodie, beats the shit out of Kazuchika Okada, hoodie comes off, and it's AJ Styles. And AJ Styles, he challenges uh, Kazuchika Okada for the title. And Okada's like, you know what? You're on. And uh, that is the title match where Yujiro Takahashi, he betrays Kazuchika Okada because he's in chaos at the time. He defects from chaos to Bullet Club and uh, is instrumental in helping AJ Styles win his first of two uh, IWGP heavyweight title reigns. So, uh, the, you know, and the, the group didn't really get that much respect from the New Japan fans, I think, until uh, AJ Styles came in and became the champ. 
because when you you've got the top title, uh, no offense to Devitt, he was the junior, he was a junior heavyweight trying to break out of the the juniors and kind of become the heavyweight champion, which uh, never really panned out, which is a shame because I think uh, Prince Devitt would have made a friggin' awesome IWGP champion. But with AJ Styles becoming the IWGP heavyweight champion, it kind of legitimized the Bullet Club. You know, they're not some chump group anymore. They've got the top gold, you know. So he eventually became a two-time champion in uh, his time at New Japan Pro Wrestling. And at some point, Kenny Omega joins the Bullet Club. You know, he left DDT and he signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So uh, when he comes out, everyone's gotten a bit surprised because he's he's, he's not got the colourful trunks or the blonde hair. He's got the dark hair and the leather. And he makes it pretty clear pretty early on that not only is he signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling, this motherfucker's in Bullet Club. Hey, Luke, be, at, yeah? what point, at what point did you become aware of the Bullet Club as a phenomenon? Because, you know, we're talking yeah. about how it happened, but, you know, yeah. once AJ Styles kind of and the Young Bucks were part of it, it became this worldwide phenomenon. And uh, when did you become aware of it like that? Uh, I would say with increasing regularity, I would say Bullet Club t-shirts in WWE shows because uh, I was watching a lot of WWE at the time. Not even that. Like, anything you were watching, wrestling-related, if if there were people in the crowd, there were some motherfuckers wearing Bullet Club shirts. And if everyone listening, I'm pretty sure, has seen that Bullet Club shirt. Just just, just think of the classic one. It just says Bullet Club. And it's got the skull with the crossed guns. That's got to be like one of the s- simplest, coolest T-shirt designs I can think of since maybe Austin 316. I know they're nowhere near as big as like what Austin was back in the day, but that kind of nice, clean, simple design, really cool logo, Bullet Club, it looks fucking cool. Even if you don't know what Bullet Club is or if it's related to wrestling, I guess if you were at a – I don't know, they sold – New Japan shirts for a time at some chain store in, in America. And I guess you could have walked in on that chain store and saw those shirts and thought, what the fuck are these? These look awesome. So, yeah, uh, just seeing their T-shirts around was was pretty much how I was like, oh, Bullet Club? What's Bullet Club? Because I didn't know anything in WWE that was fucking Bullet Club, right? So, uh, you know, you look it up. And there you go, it's this faction in New Japan Pro Wrestling. What about yourself? It was a similar type thing. Uh, I was really into uh, Ring of Honor, um, you know, back in like 2014 and 2015. And that's kind of where I started to become aware. Um, and that's part of, partly one of the reasons that I kept watching New Japan, too, is because some of the stuff that was going on with Bullet Club, as well as just being fascinated with the the match style and everything. And, um, you know, it's kind of like yourself where I saw those kind of biker uh, inspired shirts that that's kind of mm. looks like a motorcycle club is type of shirt that it is. And, you know, and you start to see other people copy that. And, you know, also another reason that I knew about them was because of people talking about hating them. And so, and what I mean is, is that, um, you know, kind of the Jim Cornettes of the world thought that Bullet Club was fucking stupid and everyone in it's an idiot. So like, whenever I hear that kind of stuff, 
I want to see it my, for myself. And you know what I mean? Cause it turns out that it's not fucking stupid and it's actually really awesome. So, you know, that was another reason why I wanted to uh, check it out. And I really, you know, enjoy uh, most of the bullet club stuff. You know, I, I saw in America, I got to see the young bucks and Adam Cole is super click as part of the bullet club as well. And um, I don't know. I just really thought those guys were pretty cool, man. Yep. So uh, just so you know, my notes don't really extend to the Ring of Honor side of Bullet Club. So sorry, all you uh, Adam Cole fans. Uh, I won't be quite delving into that stuff. Stuck with New Japan proper. And so, yeah, I guess they had a kind of cool factor going about them. So as I said, Kenny Omega, you, you don't know who he's with when he signs with New Japan back in... Uh, I think uh, 2014, 2015, but uh, he comes back, challenges Taguchi for his for the junior title, which he had at the time, and Kenny Omega wins it, and he, he joins the fucking ball club too. And for a time, Cody Hall, who is uh, Scott Hall's son, was in ball club as well. And there's, you know, around 2015-ish, you've got uh, Chase Owens, Mr. Dad Bod himself, Oh, I've got more than a dad bod, so don't worry, Chase. Uh, he joins the he joined the club too. Now, there's rumors abound that AJ Styles and and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura were leaving. So uh, after a match where uh, Kenny Omega pins Nakamura, he uh, he attacks AJ Styles. So uh, other members come out to save uh, to save AJ, but uh, you know they kind of turn on him. Even Gallows and Anderson. Even though they eventually leave on good, like they kind of kick AJ Styles out. Meanwhile, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson also kind of leave, but they leave on good terms with the Bullet Club. So I guess it pays to be a stooge in the Bullet Club, but it doesn't quite pay to be the leader. I guess everyone wants to be the top dog in Bullet Club, and there's always a lot of uh, power struggles, I guess for that spot so uh it's around this time that uh, kind of omega and the bucks form the elite tier of the bullet club and omega court book would of course go on to win the g1 in 2016 and around that time tonga lola which is tamatonga's brother he would join the bullet club as well and that would form the uh well-known tag team now the god god gorillas of destiny so uh, we'll get we'll get to about 2017 now. We're getting close to around the time I started uh, following New Japan Pro Wrestling and thus being uh, exposed to Ball Club properly, rather than uh, hearing about it and going, "Oh, they sound cool." So <laughs> in 2017, the Ball Club uh, grew bigger. You got Marty Skrull as the villain. You got Hangman Page, and you've got uh, Cody. Cody being, you know, uh, Cody Rhodes. And they're all part of this uh, Bullet Club elite. But there's other members of Bullet Club like uh, Farley and Tama who feel overshadowed and they don't quite like that. And you've got uh, Cody who comes in feeling like he's a bit of an alpha male and shit and he wants to be uh, Bullet Club's leader and starts, to, you know, and eventually he starts targeting uh, Kenny Omega's friend, Kota Ibushi. And also around that time, like Kenny thinks, fuck, there's a lot of 
strife going on with the Bullet Club, you know. We've got the elite fighting the elite, and then we've got this other, you know, the Bullet Club OGs, which is uh, Fale and Tamatonga and Tongaloa under them. Carl Anderson, too, was part of it, you know, before he left. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, there was a bit of a bit of a kind of a civil war happening with uh, new, you know, Bullet Club and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Kenny Omega thinks maybe a path to unity is a new member. And this new <laughs> member, there you go. And this new member just happens to be a guy fresh back from his excursion, a young stud named Switchblade Jay White. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Bone Soldier. The, oh, no, man. Know, Ca- Captain New Japan. Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, I'm doing, like, full disclosure here, two things helped me do my notes. Uh, there's a good good uh, YouTube series by uh, New Japan and Kevin Kelly where they give you a bit of a history and then Wikipedia. So if you're looking for like a fucking historian's guide to New, New Japan factions, this isn't it. But if you want a cursory, hey, here's what uh, we know, how we feel about it. You're going to get more of my impressions, how I feel about Bull Club going from this point on because by this point I'm watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I saw, you know, Kenny call out Switchblade and Switchblade puts the shirt on. Kenny Omega holds his hand out, up, you know, as if he won a match or some shit. And then Switchblade does this cutthroat thing, you know, that thing a lot of wrestlers do, and puts him in the Blade Runner and then leaves him lying. And not only does he do that, this young, smart-ass son of a bitch doesn't just beat the shit out of Omega. He challenges Kenny Omega to his, at the time, Kenny Omega was the very first United States champion. Uh, He won a tournament. It was quite a nice tournament, and he won the final against uh, Tomohiro Ishii. That match was a bit of a banger, by the way. But uh, not only does this young, young guy, he's just come back from excursion, say, you know what, Kenny Omega, go fuck yourself. Just Blade Runner. (laughs) He uh, goes, I'm going to challenge you for the United States title too. And guess what? <laughs> he fucking wins. This uh, this young guy who... Uh, it felt like to me when Switchblade debuted Mr. Andy, he maybe stumbled just a little bit because, you know, he's just come back and he's just like thrust into the big stage. But he quickly found his feet because uh, that match... Switchblade Joe White versus uh, Kenny Omega for the United States title. That's pretty dope. It's a really good match. So, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of all this stuff going on. Um, You know, I hated to see uh, the writing on the wall that Kenny Omega would be leaving. And, and, you know, but I I have this saying that I always say about pro wrestling, and and Bullet Club is a great example of it. And it's like, if you really enjoy something, enjoy it while you can. And if you hate mm-hmm. something, don't worry about it because wrestling is all about change. change, dude. Constantly yep. changing. So, you know, Bullet Club's a great example of that, uh, of it's just constantly changing. And even up to just recently, it's constantly changing. Oh, yeah. So at this stage in my, my New Japan watching, I'm still finding my feet. Like, I know for a fact there are wrestlers I, I like more than others. And there's a couple that are growing on me. Tanahashi, he grew on me. 
Uh, I knew straight away that Tomohiro Ishii was my guy and I will follow him to the ends of the earth. Things like that. And Switchblade was the first young boy to return. I might not have seen him as a young lion, but he was the first person to kind of return from excursion while I'm watching, but have a really massive fucking impact. That was absolutely insane. So yeah, you got a you got a thing where uh, Cody makes a play on Omega, but uh, Ibushi saves him, and he hangs around for a while, but he never officially joins the Bullet Club. He he won't too sweet everyone. He won't put on the Bullet Club shirt and shit like that, but he'll do six-man and eight-man tags with them and stuff. It was quite, quite weird. So there's, like, this Bullet Club Civil War going on for leadership. You know, it's the, uh, what Cody would say all the time, it's the, it's fine, period. Right. But uh, the war was more the elite guys, but the BG, the Bullet Club OCs, the OCs, the OGs, they weren't happy. So while this stuff is going on, Tamatonga also, he recruits a new member, which ends up being Taiji Ishimori to be the new Bone Soldier. I might have glossed over the old Bone Soldier <laughs> because in the grand scheme of things of the Bullet Club faction, he's unimportant. So uh, He's important to me, okay? He's you important know, to uh... Mr. Andy so he can laugh at him. <laughs> well, what happened was this this uh, Japanese wrestler who was like this perennial jobber named Captain New Japan, and it's just what you think. He's Captain America, but he's Captain New Japan, and he literally had the shield and everything. It was like the goofiest shit ever, and they brought him in as, quote, the bone soldier, and he lasted like a week, and they were like, oh, this is the dumbest shit ever, and, um, and then Taiji Ishimori, when he came in, obviously, he's the real bone soldier. Oh, dude. How cool is it seeing him, like, not only does he have shredded abs, but he comes down in the fucking ring wearing a shredder mask. That shit is awesome. I, I like I like how he walks like he can barely move. He kind of, yeah. it's like Sonata does the same thing where they just yeah. walk real slow. And But I, Ishimori, like, limps, like he can barely move. And then when he gets in the ring, he's flying all over the place like a maniac. It's he's pretty one cool. of the fastest motherfuckers you've ever seen in the ring. It's absolutely insane. So yeah, as I said, it's this this fine it's it's fine period. <laughs> and then uh, Farley, this is around the time where Farley and shit's going like fuck him. Yes, you know? that was awesome. So Cody eventually challenges Kenny for uh, control of Bullet Club. He loses, and they kind of make up. But that's when the OGs strike and uh, they lay a beat down. So now it's. Uh, not a war on three fronts now becomes a war on a civil war on two fronts, which is the Bullet Club OGs versus the elite. So in the background, there's a certain guy. His name's Jay White. He's the switchblade, and uh, he's uh, he's going places. You don't know quite where yet, but uh, he betrays chaos, which. Everyone saw that coming because you know he didn't quite fit with chaos. But he already told the Bullet Club to fuck off. So he he doesn't quite have a place, but he's promising some shit. And then, and then something shocking happens. All right, so it wasn't shocking that Jay White said what he was going to do, which was, you know, fuck over Kazuchika Okada. 
that wasn't shocking. What was shocking that uh, Kazuchika Okada's um, the basically like his moral support, the, the guy who's got his back, you know, his wingman, Gato. Gato betrays Kazuchika Okada. Awesome. Man, this awesome. is fucking awesome. He betrays him and he aligns himself with Switchblade and both of them promise that this is the start of a new era. But the new era of what? So after losing a match against Tanahashi for his uh, New Japan briefcase because he won the, uh, the G1 that year, and uh, Jay beat him in the G1, so he had a he had a claim to that briefcase. But Tanahashi beats him. But Jay beats the shit out of Tanahashi, and then something fucking shocking happens. Okada himself makes the save, and so he's about to get revenge on Jay White and Gato, and that's when Jado comes into the ring. Jado and Gato have been what thick as thieves forever, would you say? Yes. So. <clears throat> You've got Gato, who's made this transition to backing up fucking Switchblade, and you don't know where Jado's kind of uh, loyalties lie, right? So Jado comes out, you know, he tries to call things out, but then the Bullet Club OGs come out, right? You know, Tamatonga, Tonga Loa, and uh, Bad Luck Fale, they come out. And they hold Gato for Okada to beat up. So Okada bounces off the ropes, goes for a lariat. Boom. Guns done by Tamatonga. And uh, Tamatonga, Jado, Gato. And guns done by, sorry, guns done by Tamatonga. And then it happens. Gato, Jado, and Switchblade, Jay White. Join the Bullet Club. Not only that. But Jay White becomes its new leader. But with this new leader, it doesn't feel like an elite thing. Like, I'm fucking so many levels above you guys that you're all, you know, who cares? <laughs> you know, it feels when Switchblade takes over, it feels more like we're equals. We got the same kind of mindset. Let, let, let's fuck some shit up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's a history here too, which is totally backstage history, but the way they weave this in to being part of the story is just genius because uh, when when Jay, Jay White turned down the Bullet Club earlier that year, he turned down the elite. He didn't turn down Bullet Club, he turned down the elite. So it turns out Jay, Jay White has ties to the old Bullet Club because Prince Devitt once... Uh, had a match opposite him in a tag match or once saw a match of Jay White, something like that, the urban story goes. And Prince Devitt was so impressed by this young New Zealander that he was like, uh, you're really good. I know this dude named Bad Luck Farley, who's also a New Zealander. You might want to go uh, train with him and uh, join New Japan Pro Wrestling and shit. So it turns out this guy who became a young boy and went on an excursion and came back, said no to the elite, he's got Bullet Club ties. And uh, Tamatonga, Tongaloa, Bad Luck Fale, all those guys, they're just like, he's one of us. 
and he's the future. So we're going to strap a rocket on this motherfucker, you know? So what'd you think of all this when this was going on? I, I remember, you know, being pretty excited about it. I, you know, I hate to see the people go that had to go, but the new people made me happy. Every time this has happened in new Japan, I kind of felt the same way as far as that goes. But what did you think? I absolutely 100% loved it because I didn't know what new era meant. It could have meant anything. Didn't expect Gato to betray Okada. Nothing <laughs> like that. You know, this that's that's a fucking that's a that's a major heel turn right there, right? The betrayal of Okada. And I didn't know what this new era meant, but with Gato joining Switchblade, like I was already in. Jay White's camp, I love Blade Runner. And the fact that his finishing moves called that, I was just like, who is this guy? Who is this new guy? And then he's just impressed me every step of the way. It feels like they've given him given him everything he needs. They've given him the opportunities and it never it's never felt like he's squandered them. Um, and he's always been like this piece of shit heel, right? Switchblade Jay White. But he's such a good heel, but he also does shit that I love. Like I, I love a guy who does really, really nice, awesome looking suplexes. And I think no one really mentions this about him, but Jay White's a bit of a suplex machine. You know, of course he does the cocky piece of shit heel tactics that a, a, an evil bad guy wrestler does, but he beats guys clean. So before he joined the Bullet Club that year leading up to it, he did something no one's ever done. He beat Kenny Omega, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kazuchika Okada clean uh, in one year. Uh, and apparently, no one had ever beaten those three <laughs> in one year before clean. So, yeah, you know, this is a guy that they've got their eyes on. Uh, and having him join Bullet Club was just a freaking masterstroke as far as I'm concerned. Like, you, you talk about in Gato we trust. I mean, like, what's this new era mean? Oh, here's what it means. And holy shit, it's fantastic. And it's funny to be like, there's people who kind of drop by the wayside and you're wondering, like, what are they going to do with those people? And uh, those people being Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens because they always flew the colors of Bullet Club, but they weren't quite elite, but they weren't quite with the OGs either. And then uh, I, I do remember watching one show and Tama Tonga was like, you know what, no matter what has happened with the Bullet Club over all this time, you two have always flown the colours of Bullet Club. So if you want back in, you're in. And, of course, Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi rejoined the Bullet Club, even though technically they hadn't left. So I really <laughs> like that. I really like that touch, that nice little moment, especially for Chase. Uh, yeah, Pim Juice sucks, but yeah, that is what it is. So, yeah, there is that that kind of hit undercurrent history of uh, Bullet Club ties with Jay White, with uh, Prince Devitt, the original leader, and Bad Luck Fale as well. So short for a short time around this period, you get Robbie Eagles joining the Bullet Club. He doesn't stick around for long because, uh, well, El Fantasmo joins the Bullet Club as well. And El Fantasmo is such a fucking arsehole that he, that he, uh, he keep making Robbie Eagles look like a chump. 
and uh, being an arsehole about it. So, uh, which made Taiji Ishimori laugh no end. And I do prefer the tag team of uh, Ishimori and uh, El Fantasmo than I do uh, Ishimori or Robbie Eagles. No offense to Robbie Eagles, but where he landed, which is in chaos, I think is a much better fit for him than uh, than the Bullet Club. So, uh, and I think that. I think that shows a lot of promise in uh, Robbie Eagles. He's an Aussie wrestler, uh, someone for me to get behind. He's like first major Aussie wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling too, so that's kind of a cool thing. And uh, to see him not in the Gaijin group, but in the uh, really, you know, big group of, uh, you know, the stable group of Chaos, that's really cool for me. So uh, I really like that for Robbie Eagles to do that. Uh, I also think he's too nice a guy to be in Bullet Club. Uh, and that's no slight on him at all because in ring, he does this fucking backpack uh, backpack stunner and shit. And uh, I, I can't remember the name of his submission hold, but it's awesome. Robbie Eagles is the man. Uh, I love him, but he was not long in this world for the Bullet Club. And so he... And through shenanigans and shit he ends up joining chaos and all that kind of stuff in order to talk about it more i've got to talk about a dude i don't really want to talk about so i'm gonna i'm gonna move on if that's all right with you yeah please so i'm gonna move on to 2019 now and kenta he debuts in new japan pro wrestling and he, he says uh, i'm gonna be in g1 this year fucking fans they don't like him they see him as a noah guy and this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. You, you don't belong here. You don't fit in here. They fucking, they boo the shit out of him. So what does New Japan do? They're like, well, they hate him. So, well, we're not going to keep him a face, are we? That would be redonkulous. Let's turn him heel. And they do it in one of the most uh, amazing ways possible. So he's tagging with some chaos guys, right? Uh, I think Ishii was one of them. I can't remember who the other guy was. And maybe Goto. And he's like, you know what, I'm out of here. You guys can get your ass kicked. Bye. I don't care. And then, you know, it leads to something like Katsuri Shibata comes out of the ring, comes down, and you're just like, well, he can't wrestle anymore, so what's he doing there? He's confronting Kenta. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck, man, this this moment is so cool. And then, uh, well, Kenta just fucking beats the shit out of Shibata. And everyone's just like, oh, man, you can't do that. Because, you know, Shibata had to retire because of injury, right? Yeah, he's legitimately injured to the point where they thought he was going to die. And he may have died if he hadn't gotten to the hospital quick enough. And, you know, and, and like fucking around with a guy that's legit injured is like one of the best ways to get heat. And, man, boy, do they. Oh, man, they got so much heat. And then, uh, you know, the Bullet Club comes out and they help him beat the shit out of Kenta. And then Kenta's got his, you know, sitting cross-legged, uh, you know, on, on top of... They beat, they beat the Kenta, shit out of Shibata, not Shibata. Kenta. sorry. And Kenta's sitting on top of Shibata with his legs folded like that, doing the two sweets. <laughs> and I just thought that was fucking amazing. And from there... We're going to cut to 2020 because there's some changes that happen and they happen because Bullet Club's depleted because of COVID. So that leads us to uh, what we call, you know, recent history. Uh, there's only the kind of lower tier guys 
off Bullet Club left. You've got Yujiro Takahashi, Jado, and Gato. Like, what more Bullet Club is there? Oh, of course. Oh, fucking fuck me. Taiji Ishimori, of course. You yeah. know. Uh, but you can tell that because of COVID, it's the group known for having more gaijins in it than any other group that's affected the most. So you, Kenta, who had just come off a stint at WWE, he's still living in America, so he's stuck in America. Jay White's stuck somewhere. The, the G.O.D. are stuck somewhere. Uh, you've got a very depleted full club, and you need to make him a threat again. So that leads us to the current times where Evil seizes the carpe diem with board club leaders, right? And he seizes the day, he seizes the power vacuum, he seizes a chance for him to ally with people who will help him fucking achieve his goals. LOJ wasn't helping him achieve his goals. <laughs> club leader might be fucking multi-time tag team champion. There's nothing wrong with that or anything like that. He doesn't want to have these stank titles or the six-man never titles. You know what he wants? He wants to be the man, and he doesn't give a shit if he has to beat the shit out of his uh, leader to do it. So, yes, by now, everyone knows there's the betrayal. Another betrayal. Bullet Club is full of betrayal. And evil turns on Naito. Not only not only did he beat Kazuchika Okada one night, the next, next fucking night, he beats Tetsuya Naito and becomes the second dual champion in New Japan history and also the first triple champion in New Japan history because at the time he had the uh, six-man never titles with Bushi and uh, Shingo Takagi. And so if, you, that- if you want to hear uh, that more details about that particular situation, we have an episode pretty much the whole episode's about that situation. So that's one of our earlier ones. You'll see in the descriptions which one it is. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, that's not the only person that joins Ball Club. Uh, we have a uh, enlisting evil doesn't just join. He brings someone along with him, which turns out to be Dick Togo. So one fact I want to bring up is that four of the five Bullet Club leaders have been IWGP heavyweight champion. And just to leave it off with everyone so they kind of know in their mind who the members of the current roster of Bullet Club is. Now we've got, obviously, Switchblade, Jay White. We've got Kenta, Evil, the Gorillas of Destiny, which is Tamatonga, Tongaloa. We've got Bad Luck Fale, Taiji Ishimori, El Fantasmo, Gato, Jado, Hikaleo, who's kind of a young lion, but he's the younger brother of Tamatonga and Tongaloa. We've got Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi. We've got Peter. You can't not include Peter. She's a badass. Uh, she usually accompanies Yujiro Takahashi to the ring. And you've sort of kind of have Gino Gambino in there as well. He's more a commentator in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but he's got bull club ties. He's friends with uh, Farley. They, they don't really acknowledge stuff. him, though. It's kind of like he just acts like he's in Bullet Club, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you are you sure are a guy that exists, you know? So. Yeah, but he'll never get his tracksuit, dude. Like, right. It's never going to happen. But uh, there you go. So that's kind of how I did the Bullet Club. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. And uh, it was it was around the time of the, of the Elite 
slash Civil War when I started watching. That's uh, 2017. And before that, I got no kind of feelings either way, but I remember when I started watching Bullet Club, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I was like, well, I like the Young Bucks. Hangman Page shows a lot of promise. In my opinion, he's gotten better now where he is. But I do remember he had a banger in the G1 one year with uh, Suzuki. Maybe I'll have to choose that match sometime. Hangman Page versus Naro Suzuki. That match is amazing. But um, I, I didn't... I didn't quite glom onto the Bullet Club at this point. It wasn't until the Switchblade joining that I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is a Bullet Club for me. Because I felt like I walked in on a Bullet Club that was kind of already fully formed and already doing his thing. And I liked a lot of the wrestlers, but I didn't love them. Whereas Switchblade's one of my guys. I love him. I, I don't get why people don't think he's awesome. He's got, what is he, late 20s? He's already got... He's got the psychology down like he's some 40-year-old. Uh, he's a suplex machine, but he can dial it back and be the chicken shit heel, whatever you want. Uh, uh, he has this thing where he likes to delay matches by rolling out of the ring, making people wait. So one of my favorite feuds of the last few years has been Switchblade and Naito from the last year or so. Because they, they have this kind of similar, I'm going to fuck with you style. Yes. And I think not only did they hate each other, but they bonded together at the same time. <laughs> because Naito and Switchblade are the same, same they're, they're, they're the different sides of the same coin, you know. And I, oh, that was a, an amazingly wonderful feud between them. So I love the chemistry. Like for a long time, the new era Bullet Club with Switchblade and stuff, they they feuded with chaos and shit, right? But it wasn't until... Uh, but my favourite feud, like, of, of this kind of new era was definitely Switchblade and Naito because uh, <laughs> you got Naito the face and Switchblade the heel, but, man, they're not very different, are they? No, it's true. You know, uh, you did a great job breaking all this stuff down. It's super complicated, and, you know, we can't get into too much detail, or this oh. will be even longer than it already oh, is. Yeah. So, you know, um, but one thing I just want to mention about Bullet Club that I think is really important is that, you know, you mentioned that they're gaijin, and it, they also bring the gaijin style to New Japan to spoil yeah, the Japanese style. So their, their whole gimmick... Um, you know, of running in and doing like Memphis style heel shit is to spoil the, the stuff that the Japanese fans love, which is like the strong style, new Japan style. So that's a big part of it. And it's, it also parallels the NWO and, and yeah. uh, WCW and that storyline. So another reason, another thing that they did uh, to kind of piss everyone off. And one of the reasons they became so popular is because they brought all these gimmicks back from the past. You know, the two sweet is from the click, um, you know, and, and their, their mm -hmm. whole like, gimmick and everything was kind of a, a lot like NWO. So they brought a lot of things back. They did the crotch chop like DX until they got sent a cease and desist. So, you know, basically they were bringing the, uh, you know, Western wrestling's past to Japan to fuck with Japan. That's what it was. And it worked. And not only did it work, but 
when you needed those wrestlers in Bullet Club to go to like, you know, put up or shut up and just have a really good match, they could do that too. And they did that constantly. Yes, yes, there's Bullet Club style cheating and stuff, but I've seen AJ Styles go. I've seen Finn Balor, oh, Prince David. I've seen him go. I, and not not just, you know, as a heel, but, you know, just having that match and just going, no, no cheating, let's do it, let's have this match. Um, while Kenny Omega's in the Bullet Club, he has four classic matches with Kazuchika Okada. Uh, I, I, I guess some people will say one match is better than the other, but what I will say is all four of those matches that they have against each other are classics. They're, they're all kind of perfect. They all tell a kind of perfect story, and there's no cheating in any of those four title matches. So, yes, are they full of cheating and Western wrestling shenanigans? Oh, fuck, yeah, of course they are. But uh, when when the time comes for members of Bullet Club to kind of you know, pull the, pull, you know, do a more New Japan kind of style match, they can do it too. We've seen it, so you know, it's it's good stuff. I guess I'm kind of late to the Bullet Club party. I didn't come into them when they were new and cool, and just saw this elite Civil War stuff and thought, yeah, that's fine. But uh, I'm not quite invested. And then I became invested in Ball Club when Jay White took over. I've got myself a nice Jay White switchblade shirt, which I'm, I'm pretty happy with. And then, you know, uh, I've, it's, uh, it's talked about in previous episodes. As soon as, as soon as that evil Bullet Club shirt came out, I bought me one. I still haven't got it yet, Mr. Andy. I'm still waiting on that motherfucker. Like... Well, like, I, I only have one Bullet Club shirt. I bought it from the Young Bucks at a uh, mm. Ring of Honor shirt show. But uh, the other shirt, the other New Japan shirt that I have is our next faction, if you're ready to move on from uh, Bullet Club. yeah. Let's do it. So the only other uh, New Japan shirt I have is a Los Ingobernables de Japón uh, shirt. And uh, this is my favorite faction in New Japan. And one of the reasons is because it's – it's not complicated and there's not many guys in it and there's not many guys that have been a part of it. So in the people that they choose to be in it are all awesome. And, you know, even the guy that's kind of the lower rung of, of LIJ, I really love, but let's start, you know, in order to understand the history of uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, we have to go back to CMLL in Mexico in 2014. There's a wrestler there named Rush, but everybody calls him Roosh, I guess. Um, it's <laughs> R-U-S-H. And I honestly, you know, he's shown up in New Japan a few times. He tagged with Naito during the World Tag League, and I don't like him as a wrestler. He, he Whenever he shows up, I'm like, oh, boy. But I got to give him his props because Roosh is the, you know, one of the guys that formed the original Los Ingobernables. So basically, this was a Rudo or heel faction in uh, CMLL in Mexico. And very interesting, the three original members are Roosh, uh, La Sombra, which is uh, the guy named Andrade in WWE. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, uh, that guy wore a mask in Mexico for most of his career. And it's like, why? Like, he's why super would you put handsome. A, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I, I looked like that. I had no idea that you that he wore a mask. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, so he was La Sombra and then a guy named La Mascara. And so those are the three original members of Los Ingobernables. And they were just like a, a heel faction in CMLL that would kind of, they were cool heels, you know. So uh, later on, uh, Roosh was injured and the, uh, another wrestler named Corleone uh, joined as the f uh, fifth member, well, fourth member. Um, and then, of course, oh, okay, so Corleone was the fourth member, and the fifth member was Tetsu Naito. In 2015, he joined. And so we got to learn, uh, you know, the history of LIJ is the history of Naito. It, it just is, because he's the original member of LIJ and uh, the Japanese version of Los Ingobernables. And, uh, you know, so we got to learn about him. Um, in June 2013, uh, Naito returned to New Japan uh, from an injury. He'd been gone for a while. And, uh, and two months later, he defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in the finals to win the G1 Climax that year. Okay. Now, here's the problem. And here is where the beginning of the story really is. Is the fans completely rejected Naito. He was a babyface, and everyone hated him. He was, um, you know, constantly booed. Uh, the fans just couldn't stand him, and they, and you know, so as usual, New Japan figures out a way to turn these kinds of things to their advantage, which will happen later on. So, you know, when he defeated Tanahashi, he was booed by the crowd, booed out of the building, and you know, in New Japan, it kind of pegged him as their, you know, next top babyface. But seeing how the fans reacted to him, the company changed their course uh, of action and announced a fan vote to decide whether the planned um, IWGP he uh, heavyweight championship match between Naito and Okada would be the main event at Wrestle Kingdom or the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match between Nakamura and Tanahashi. So the fans uh, voted uh, the not the they they voted the Intercontinental Title match to be the main event, and this is a pivotal moment in the history of Naito. This is where he snaps, and he still talks about this to this day. You know about the fact that the the fans fucked him over. Um, are you familiar with the story and everything, Luke? Yeah, I've I've heard about this. Like you see Naito and. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool as hell, but he's definitely got that chip on his shoulder, and it's been mentioned quite a number of times with uh, Kevin Kelly and Co. about that story. And I can't fathom it because ever ever since I've watched New Japan, like he won he won the G one the first year I started watching. Right, so to me, Naito's always been this big heavy hitter. I it's it it. it I find it hard to imagine him not being one of the coolest motherfuckers in New Japan and everyone being all into that. I, I, it's hard for me to fathom that people just rejected him and didn't like him. Now, this story has a lot of twists and turns that I'm not going to be able to to get them all in, uh, just for the sake of time and the sake of I don't want to I don't want to hate Lij because I researched it too much, you know. So, um, but so what happened is is that he got relegated to the semi main event at Wrestle Kingdom Eight, and he lost the match too. So he lost to Okada, and uh, Naito would remain a step below the top spot in New Japan. So. You know, he needed a change. And when someone needs a change in Japan, they send them away. 
So, uh, you know, it's like sending your kid to boarding school. You got to send them away, you know, like in paradise. Double excursion. Yeah, so exactly. So he goes on his double excursion back to CMLL uh, for a tour uh, and joined Los Ingobernables turning heel there. Um, when he now, okay, so this is where he developed some really neat things too that are part of his character. So Naito does this thing where he stretches his eye um, and makes it, and and this is his words, and I'm not, you know, this is this is a very interesting thing about him. In in Mexico, um, racist types of slurs in in sport and stuff like that is a lot more prevalent and uh, kind of accepted in their society. Um, in some places, it's not everywhere, but in CMLL, definitely. And so the fans would do that kind of eye stretching thing to Naito as a racist gesture. You know, like your eyes are slanted. Why don't oh. why aren't they go around? Okay. So so that's, that's why. Yeah, yeah. So that's why he took that gesture and made it his own and started doing it in in the um in the ring. And so that's why he does that gesture. And it's a very interesting thing. And basically, so, you know, uh, Naito combines that gesture with the fist in the air, which you've even seen on WWE television with Andrade. That's, that's the tranquilo, uh, you know, Los Angobernables yeah. thing. So you've just made me like Naito even more, by the way. Oh, it's awesome, right? Yeah, he he's the king of taking these things that suck, that are awful, and turning them to his, his advantage. So, um, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, so he returns to, to CMLL, and this is where he, he turns Los Ingobernables. This is when all this racist stuff starts happening towards him. And then he returns back to New Japan as this new character. And this is this character that we know him as today, um, to some extent. I mean, he's changed a little bit. Um, but basically, he, you know, he would spit on his opponents. Um, Naito shows no respect to his opponents. He turns his back on them, acts like they're not there. Um, he acts like he's going to, you know, jump out of the ring at him and he just lays there and puts his fist in the air. You know, all this kind of stuff has developed at that time. Um, and so as he's back, he's teasing a new faction with a secret member joining, right? And uh, during his matches, a masked figure would appear ringside and it, it would just, they have this very unique mask that's just for these situations because a lot of the um uh well a couple of the lij guys um debuted this way so what would happen is is this this mass figure would just appear ringside and at king of pro wrestling in 2015 evil debuted by taking the mask off and attacking naito's opponent tanahashi in the match and helping him win so that's what is when it about tanahashi that starts factions <laughs> He's, you want to start a faction? Beat the shit out of Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> if you're a bad guy. You gotta hate Tanahashi. He's so yeah. good. You know, he's the he's. I, I heard a story once. If in fact, Carl Anderson was telling the story on some podcast he was on that he said that he asked. Uh, you know, they had some like three day in a row thing, and Tanahashi had barely got any sleep. And he looked at Tanahashi, and Tanahashi smiling at him, and he said, "Are you tired?" And he goes, "No, I'm never tired." And I fucking believe it. I just believe it. You know, <laughs> you never be tired. So um, <laughs> I love that. So let's see here. So Evil debuts and starts to help Naito. So here we are. We're starting to, you know, have the actual Los Ingobernables Japanese chapter de Japon. Um, later on, a third member joined the same way, and that was Bushi. And he uh, joined at the debut of the World Tag League, and LIG, LIJ was officially a thing. That's when they first did the, the fist salute in the ring, you know, and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we are for a little while until we get a fourth member. At, in Evasion Tac 2016, Seiya Sonata debuted, helping Naito defeat Okada this time for the heavyweight title. And um, so this is when Naito is on top of New Japan and he's doing all the shit. And this is, you know, when I really started to become aware of him as one of my favorite wrestlers ever. I mean, like this is when I am just Naito everything. I, I love it so much. There's even a wrestler uh, in our area named Lexus Montez, and he was doing some Naito shit at the time, and we kind of bonded over that. And every time I'm at one of his shows, we do the Naito salute, even though I'm in the crowd. He like comes over, we do it, and there's a million pictures online of us doing that. So it was a big deal to me. Um, and then, uh, you know, after Sonata joins, then that allows you, your, your factions have to have the members of the different, uh, um, uh, like things that the different, like you need a heavyweight, you need a light, uh, a junior weight, you need a heavyweight tag team, you need a junior weight tag team, like all these yeah. things so that your faction can get the gold in those little, um, you know, se sections of, of New Japan. So they, you know, with uh, Evil and Sonata being together, now they are the heavyweight tag team, and we're starting to build this thing more and more. Um, let's see here. So then we get these cryptic videos starting to appear in 2016, and they're, t they're teasing something called ticking time bomb and we've talked about on the show before these cryptic videos that they do in new japan and how great they work you know and it, it was around this time that a, a a younger uh andy was uh watching some ring of honor live and got to see this really great wrestler named kama tachi and uh you know he came out with this lay and he seemed kind of you know, uh, I don't know, flamboyant and uh, was uh, very reckless in his style. And I'd heard about his legendary feud in CMLL versus Dragon Lee. And, uh, you know, you hear whispers of this stuff, but I had no idea that at uh, November 5th, um, 2016, a power struggle that the former Kamatachi, uh, you know, had been on excursion at CMLL and ROH. He returns as Hiromu Takahashi. And the, you know, adding him to LIJ was perfect. I mean, Taka, you know, tell us a little bit, Luke, about why does Takahashi fit in LIJ? Wow, he's, he's been a part of LIJ. I'm surprised he's like the fucking fifth member or some shit. Like, that kind of blows my mind. Uh, he fits because he has that... They're all got different styles, like everyone in, in LIJ. They've got different styles and personalities, but they kind of click because they all got that like that singular vision. That vision being, how cool as fuck can we be? Like, because <laughs> yeah. they're all the coolest motherfuckers in New Japan. Like, it, it, it just is what it is. And, and it's so close knit, so it feels even more kind of exclusive. So when someone joins LIJ, just like, who is this guy? I'm going to pay attention to them because. They don't let, they don't just let anyone in, right? But That's true. I would say Hiromu Takahashi. I've watched a lot of juniors, but I think he's the he's the best I've seen since I started watching New Japan. Like he will pull out shit I've never seen all the time, all the time. 
this is a guy that's just like, I'm not even just going to rest with all the usual shit that you know and love me for. I'm going to pull out shit you've never seen or do a twist on something you have seen that just blow your mind. He continually, Hiromu Takahashi continuously blows my freaking mind. You know, he's, he's one of the last people you could accuse of doing the greatest hits every match. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Ric Flair, but you know exactly what I mean by greatest hits, right, when I say Ric Flair. Sure. The five uh, moves of doom, sure. Yeah, or the, the Cena five moves of doom, and we all know that Cena is more than that. At least I hope you do, Mr. Andy. I think he's a fucking phenomenal wrestler. But uh, um, that's a different company, so no one gives a fuck about that because it's a New Japan podcast, so we don't have to go on a diatribe about John Cena, but he's great. But... Um, this this guy, Hiromu Takahashi, has been one of the most interesting and phenomenally dynamic wrestlers that I've seen ever. And well, with, uh, with Takahashi joining, yeah. all of the LIJ members were constantly in title contention now. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for example, we got Evil and Sonata. They're constantly in the tag title picture. Uh, Naito's at the top of the, the title pictures. And Bushi and Hiromu... Uh, are constantly in the junior title picture too. So, um, and this is, you know, where we're seeing that only a couple guys in this, in this faction, yet they're all, uh, you know, towards the top of the card. And this is when, you know, LIJ is becoming, it's, it's starting to rival Bullet Club and merchandise. And you are seeing every member yeah. of the in certain certain towns or LIJ towns and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And Naito is becoming very popular, even though, He's such an asshole. Uh, you know, he also at a certain point would refuse to speak um, Japanese and would only speak Spanish, you know, and like stuff like that. So his uh, Spanish is, by the way, his Spanish is about as good as um, Brad Pitt's Italian in um, Inglorious Bastards. Wow. And okay. yeah, have you seen Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, I have. It, or, or even yeah, there- he, he'll be like, Gra- gracias. And I'm just like, um, Oh, okay, I don't care. You do you, Naito. I'm, I'm by it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good Spanish, but he he pulls it off. He's fine. Okay, well, whatever. We'll we'll move on past that and pretend you. Didn't say <laughs> that. But, uh, so you know, so these guys are always in the title contention, and then on October eighth, our final member of Lij uh, up to what we know today joins at uh, King of Pro Wrestling again. Yeah. Um, Shingo Takagi joins and uh, becomes this amazing wrestler that like it what's so great about him is that he came in and could have easily been a rival to Naito um, but he joins Naito and starts in the junior division working his way up to the heavyweight division which was a really cool way uh, past episodes we talked a lot more about um, Shingo in detail so go back and listen to those if you want to hear us talk more about his uh, initial run in New Japan but this is where we really start to have some fun because at Wrestle Kingdom 13 all five members of the stable won titles uh, you know Tetsuya Naito he regained the Intercontinental Championship from, from Jericho um, <laughs> which is crazy um, yep. Evil and Sonata won the IWGP Tag Team Championships uh, by beating uh, Gorillas of Destiny the Young Bucks and um and Bushi and Takagi won the, the junior tag uh, championship by beating Kanemuro and Desperado or Pongi 3K. Um, and then on uh, February 2nd at New Beginning, B- 
Bushi and Takagi regain their titles against. I don't know why that's in there. Um, uh, here, here's my point about all this though: is that this is when Naito has the Intercontinental Championship, and he fucking hates it, and um, he treats it with such disrespect that he would throw it in the air. He would just leave it in the ring. He'd drag it on the floor. One time, he came to the ring and kicked it on the ground all the way to the ring and then kicked it up the stairs into the ring. He broke it. <laughs> he would swing it. He would swing it and just hit it on the steps and just break it. And eventually it fucking broke, you know? And so <laughs> that was one of the funniest things ever. Um, just seeing him disrespect it and just, he'd spit on it. He'd spit, you know, Naito would in the middle of a match, walk over to the commentator's table and spit on the commentators for no reason. <laughs> So that shit is highly entertaining. And I really I recommend if you want to watch some fun stuff, go back and watch Naito's run with the Intercontinental title uh, that time. That's uh, some really good stuff. So um, I remember hearing about that because it was just like, oh, you don't like how I'm treating the bell? Beat me. Yeah, exactly. Well, and he didn't even want it, you know, and that's what's so funny. He wants the big belt and, you know, which is an interesting way to how this all ends up in the end here. But uh, so then uh, we have a vote, another fan vote, a vote is set up for fans to decide if they want to see a double title match at Wrestle Kingdom 14, which was named uh, the Double Gold Dash with Night One mm -hmm. featuring Kata defending his heavyweight uh, belt against Ibushi, uh, Kota Ibushi, and Jay White defending the Intercontinental belt against Naito. Uh, while Night 2 uh, sees the winners of each match facing one another in the main event. Okada, uh, you know, uh, retained his title, and Naito won, uh, defeated Jay White in one mm -hmm. of my favorite matches ever. That match it's is fucking awesome. amazing. Yeah, uh, I love it. They the, have great uh, chemistry, don't they, Jay White oh, and Naito? The pro wrestling world shit all over that match because no, they I said that it. there was botches in it and they're fucking idiots. It's not botching, it's selling, you stupid pets. I've seen a lot of Naito matches and these this is a, it's a Naito match staple to do something that looks like a botch. Yes. But it's not a botch. That's a Naito staple. And they coupled that with like the kind of shit that no nah, man, like it no. Nah, like it's it's great. And I understand the quiet dude, like yeah. I understand. I mean, Okada versus Ibushi was, you know, could be one of the best matches of all time. So I get it, you know, when compared to something like that, maybe it's not the greatest thing ever. But if, if that was just the main event on a regular show, I would have shit my pants. I almost shit my pants yeah. watching. So, um, and Wrestle Kingdom 14 is the most recent Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, so here we are in night two. It's Okada versus Naito. And Naito defeats Okada for both belts and becomes double champion uh, for the first time. And uh, that's an incredible thing. And that's kind of where we hit to where we are today and where we talked about before the Bullet Club connection here is that, you know, uh, on, during the New Japan Cup in 2020, we talked about it. Evil started to, his turn and culminated at Dominion where he defeated Naito for the IC and heavyweight titles, becoming a double champion and being the first person to leave LIJ and, and betray them, making them faces, basically. So, mm -hmm. you know, now you have a slightly different version of Naito. Um, obviously, he's not spitting on anyone because of COVID. I'm sure he'd still be doing that. But oh, just, if he could. Yeah, but he wouldn't do it on the commentators. He'd do it on the heel wrestlers and stuff. So he's still an asshole. He's still a shit heel. Um, all the guys in LIJ are still that same way. But 
it's just different now and evil's moved on and now they've become more of the face team and it's pretty fucking cool. So that's a, a brief history of LIJ. Um, Isn't that beautiful though? Like they managed to not change their characters at all, but their alignment changed. That's just fucking amazing. That's, that's incredible stuff. I love New Japan is because when someone turns heel or turns face, sometimes it's a very subtle change or sometimes it's just the location that changes them you know yeah. and so you know sometimes it's a full-blown heel heel you know uh but you don't get that very often so when it does happen it's a big deal so you know so that's where we're at with these factions uh luke how do you think we did with uh with covering all these dude we did great the only <laughs> thing i'd say is with of course i'm gonna like i love hearing us talk <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're in a podcast and you don't like the sound of your own voice, you lie. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it doesn't mean you're egotistical or anything like that. It just means like, hey, you think you you think you got a good brain for things and you, and you you like talking about them and here's a recording of you talking about them. Oh my god, it's awesome. Uh one thing I'd say about LIJ is even before Hiromu had his injury and before Takagi left, I was like, wow, they, may, they need two new members for this group just to kind of, you know, just maybe not to inflate the group too much, but just in case someone gets injured, you've got another member there to step in. And then uh, Shingo joined. I was like, yep, all right. So even when Hiromu comes back, we might need someone else. And I even... More thought that when uh, Shingo fought his way out of the junior weights faster than anyone I've ever seen ever yes, <laughs> to join the fucking heavyweight division, I was like, oh, well, they're, now they're a junior down because now they've got fucking four heavyweights. And then Evil defected. I'm like, uh, uh, but maybe what makes them so cool and so awesome is the fact that, that they don't overinflate and all bloat their roster full of wrestlers. It, it, it feels very tight-knit. And maybe that's part of its charm and part of why it works so well. Yeah, I, I love them. You know, I like both these factions uh, for different reasons. And yeah. uh, so that's going to wrap up the coverage of these two factions this week. But next time, we're going to cover uh, Suzuki Goon and we're going to cover Chaos, which is going to be Chaos. So, um, that's going to be very interesting. It's something I'm, I'm very interested to find out, as I've always heard that Chaos is supposed to be a heel group. You know, um, but that's not what I've seen um, necessarily. So I'll be interested to hear about that. And, you know, we one of our favorite guys, one of our, uh, our you know, um, patron saints, if you will, was the actual uh, beginner of Suzuki Goon. So we're going to hear all kinds of fun stuff about that. Not sure when that will be out, but that'll be, uh, you know, that might be after the G1 or before. We're not really sure yet. But at the same time, that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I don't know. I'm really enjoying uh, talking about New Japan, and I learned a lot by going back and, and going through all this stuff. So I hope you did too, Luke. Yeah, I had, I had a great time. Uh, I got to talk lots, and then you got to talk lots. And <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've had a few wines, so forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you know, this faction system, it's, uh, you know, when it's used properly, it can really, really, you know, be effective. And, and we yeah. know the guy we can trust to, to use this properly, right? Oh, in Gato, we trust. 
L.I.J. as fuck. 